something pops up. I'm trying to, you know, in case, you know. Uh, um, I, I, it says off air at the moment, so I, I assume it says, it says live. I'll, I'll just say, all right, go. So I'll just give him another. There we go. All right, go. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 115 of Fans of Power. I'm Joe Motto, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Tyler T Rex Baker. What's going on, T Rex? Just ready to. Uh... Hell, I got nothing. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Ready, ready to have another fun episode. And. Um... Yeah, I guess we're aware that the Royal Rumble is going on while we're recording this, but I don't watch current wrestling, and Joe does, but uh, I don't think Joe keeps up with a lot of the pay-per-views and stuff like that live, right, Joe? Well, I was um, actually watching some of that before I got on here, but I was like, eh, I'll catch the rest later. So I was like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of the people that normally would watch us live are probably watching the Royal Rumble, which, hey, I can understand. They can still catch us on a rerun, but we do have JSP. In the chat room, so thank you, JSP, for joining us. It's always great to have you here. So, uh, yeah. so we appreciate you, uh, um, joining us regardless of. I don't know. I think are people even excited at, the, at who could win the Rumble? I mean, or is, well, everyone, know- is everyone more fixated on the surprise guests? Which I mean, I, I still like to watch on YouTube the some of the the surprise entrance, which is. Be my only interest in watching it because they're probably just going to push somebody who doesn't deserve a push. That's it. Well, that's the thing with me. I actually like seeing who's going to be the surprise entrance. And so there was, you know, like maybe there was a couple. I'm not going to say because I don't want to spoil for people who haven't seen it. But I was looking forward to the women Royal Rumble because it's the first time they had it. So I wanted to yeah. see. But I did. I also want to say hello to say hello to Adam Gabbert. He's in the chat room. So thank you for joining us, Adam. And V-Dub's here. How's it going, V-Dub? We always appreciate you having, having you here, too. So... But uh, I was trying to think of any recent thing or topical things that was going on as for any releases or news or something, and, and nothing popped to mind. I just wanted to mention one cool thing. You know, like I put a post on my uh, my main Facebook page, and I said, you know, what are your top three toy lines of all time? You know, and that could be from vintage masters to classics, Transformers from the past, anything. And a lot of people, of course, were picking Masters of the Universe, uh, and they would just say it all in general. But not many people were saying the one that I love. I love Sectars. That was probably next. Yeah, I had to say it. Next to Masters of the Universe, Sectars is probably just, damn, I love that line. It was just so detailed ahead of its time articulation-wise. But there's a a Kickstarter thing that was going on, and it finally just started today. It's from uh, Zika Toys. I think Zika, Z-I-C-A. I want to make sure I'm saying that right. And they just started their Kickstarter campaign for uh, General Spydrax and Prince Dargon. So uh, they're up right now, and you can back the Kickstarter program for, you know, to have some new Sectar figures. They're in a different scale. I was like, hey, it's cool as hell. It's the only time we're ever going to see Sectars come back. I mean, I would love to see them come back to the stores, but, you know, actually come back to stores. But, hell, this is pretty cool. They had two little figures. I didn't know if you knew about it or even cared about Sectars much, but I was like, I had to plug that because they look cool as hell. No, I like Sectars. I, I like uh, Prince Dagon and, and Spy Drax and the, the whole action figure line, the Hive and everything, and no, there's no way in hell I would ever believe that Sectars would ever come back to toy stores. But given that it was such a, you know, a smaller, or a less lesser, uh, less appreciated '80s toy line, it's certainly remembered by fondly by people of who are fans of '80s toys. But it's certainly not celebrated. God, no, nowhere near as much as I mean, even Silverhawks I think has a. Oh um, yeah, so Silverhawks has. And, and of course, I hold Silverhawks in high regard. I'm saying Silverhawks would probably be considered 
lower on the totem pole of, of flagship 80s toy lines and sectars is even below that but it's you know but hell in my opinion i, I held so many of them on the same level i you know i, I oh sure you know i, I have bionic six up on a high level i got brave star i got uh the visionaries and supernaturals and you know uh sectars would be up there too just because it was a it's a damn cool looking uh toy line Oh, I mean, most definitely. I first wanted to say, too, uh, in the chat room, SSJ Mitz, he was like, where's Nathan Kennedy? And he was like, oops, he just realized that that's the wrong podcast. He was thinking of our Beyond Retro. No, well, for people, who, just in case we, um, I guess we might as well use this this time to do that. Uh, we were going to record Beyond Retro today at a different time because Nathan's going to try and record it for us so we can kind of loosen up Doug's time. And uh, Nathan came down with something yesterday. Don't know what it is. People are getting sick like crazy in my area. Nathan's in the same town, so it's he's moving probably... along. Yeah, yeah. So he and uh, I don't blame him trying trying to test record and get get a, a full episode done uh, of a podcast. Not a whole lot of fun when you're really sick. So you know, we yeah, we no. just we're, he's just resting. So uh, next, we'll aim for next next weekend at some point to get Beyond Retro up and running. But um, yeah, so we, yeah, we'll definitely keep you posted about the new day and time or how it works. So, uh, speaking yes. of, uh, 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 well, not really speaking of, but um, we need to address that Andy, our buddy Andy UC, had uh, declared that uh, I had gotten a fact wrong about who to be one of the people to be pissed off at at uh, the toys that made us, and I had to blame that's my fault, Otto. Yeah, that's my fault. Me. Yep, that it wasn't, wasn't the uh. Not funny, Patton Oswalt, but uh, someone by the name of Donald Ian Black, which I don't know if he's any related to the comedian Michael Ian Black by chance, but probably so. But that uh, Joe Joe said it was Patton Oswalt, so here I was, you know, reported saying, "Oh, it's Patton Oswalt, douchebag, can't he's not funny." That's my yeah. bad. Sorry. They all sound alike, so they sounded similar. So, yeah, Andy, that's all on me. You ain't got to blame Tyler. I thought it was Patton, so, hey, at least I learned something new every day. It wasn't Patton that did the, uh, the yeah. I, the... I correct myself. If I am wrong, I want to use a public platform to correct myself. I, I'm not hiding behind my keyboard or phone or whatever. I, I want to correct and, and apologize for my mistake. I point the finger at Joe, but I did say it, and I apologize to, uh, you know, Patton Oswald. I'm, I'm sure he's listening. Yeah. Oh, well, I pointed the finger at myself. So, yeah, that was my bad. So and at least, yeah, I can hide behind a mask. And Adam in the chat room, he said, Joe model, you're amazing. See, Tyler, see, somebody thinks I'm all right. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate that, man. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. He's dumb- why, why does he say you're amazing? He just saying. I, I don't know, but he said Mario shirt. Sweet. Yeah. See, this oh. is the one. This is kicking it, kicking it old school right there. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool shirt. So, yeah, there. So we got that little rambling out of the way. Now, I wanted to say one thing. I had a, a message. First, I want to acknowledge we have a, a new listener, and he's a, a super fan of Masters Universe, and his name is Ryan Heath. So, Ryan, thank you for, you know, contacting me and, you know, letting me know about what you think about the show and everything. So, appreciate it. Tyler does, too. So, it's great having you as a new listener. We always love having new fans and, well, of course, passionate Masters Universe fans that get into it. So, it's great. Thank you. And this is a question Vaughn Eric Ratliff brought up, and I'm going to say I actually – don't know the answer. I don't know if it's ever been said. I guess I'll give my opinion. Tyler can give his because I don't know if it's been said. But Vaughn said, was there ever an explanation in the 2000X MYP era of Masters of the Universe of why the Iron Cross was taken away and replaced with that 
distorted in the cartoon look like an H slash asterisk, but especially on the action figure, it looked like an asterisk symbol. And he was like, Joey's like, was there an explanation? Now I'll give you my thought. And then Tyler, he might have the answer. I'm just going to give you my thought. There's two things. One, I didn't know if they wanted to avoid the whole iron cross controversy, get worried if they thought that would, you know, like cause some issues or, you know, get people to get upset and start talking about an iron cross and maybe things behind that. I mean, just, you know, things happen. Or if they just wanted to give He-Man a new identifiable symbol, because here's the thing. If you think about the old vintage line, all the figures past the original He-Man figure, when you got battle armor, when you got thunder punch, and when you got flying fists, he had a he had an H. It was like a new H. It even was used on the Dragon Walker. A lot of merchandise and and some of the publications you've seen this new H. And and of course, even in the movie, there was no H. It was a completely different symbol in the movie too. But what I mean is, I wonder if they were even back then going for this is He Man's H. If that would have been something permanent as a new staple. So back then, it looked like they were going in a new direction. NYP they did, but as for why they did it, I don't know, and I'll pass it to Tyler if maybe they did explain why it was changed. I want to say I thought there was an article in Toy Fair when the 2000X line has been launched and they talked to the Four Horsemen about redesigning the Power Sword and everything. And I I, I don't think, I mean, obviously they re, they released the Iron Cross with the, the original He-Man figure in the 2000X line and then with the 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 newer logo on the chest so they obviously weren't afraid to do it you know with the toys it the iron cross wasn't featured on any other action figure other than that i don't think they stuck it on his belt a lot i noticed i think they popped it on his yeah. belt you could find I, it and i think that was their way of saying you know we're going to honor the original design but prob probably so i i think people get get up in arms when they see the iron cross you know because of the nazi party and all that stuff so it, with Germany and everything, which I mean, come on, let's let's. I think it's safe to say Heman is not associated with, you know, Nazi Germany uh, of that time or anything to do with Master of the Universe. I think it was just it looks cool on the figure, and I, I don't automatically think that when I see an Iron Cross anyway. I just don't. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm so far removed in not thinking overly PC about that kind of stuff, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But plus. If they weren't going to put it in the cartoon, they needed they needed to come up with a new a new emblem on his chest, which is what you see in the cartoon and the various other variants and stuff like that too. So I get it; it's a safety thing, you know. You don't want to piss off parents and and uh, people who who get up and, and live to point out people's uh, politically incorrectness, so to speak. So. As far as I know, I'm sure that was pretty much there. It, it probably was. It's probably not as in depth as we're thinking. It probably would be. You know, it's strictly just avoiding controversialists. Just come up with a new, which was not. It wasn't the best looking logo. When you when you see the HM amalgam, like battle armor and flying fist and thunder punch, why wouldn't they've gone with an HM? Uh, you know, yeah. look, you know where you got H that has an M kind of built into. It. I, I don't know why they just didn't decide to go with that, but. Yeah, that was that was genius to me. First, I wanted to say hello to Josh Hale, uh, Josh Hale in the chat room. Thank you for joining us as well. But uh, no, I mean you're right. Uh, you know, when I looked at the Iron Cross from the He-Man figure as a kid, I I never in the cartoon, the toy, the mini comics, anything ever thought 
nothing popped into my mind of Hitler or anything. I, that didn't even come to my mind. It was just He-Man, cool symbol. But you're right. Nowadays, if maybe people trying to be politically correct or don't want to, you know, get somebody upset, they played safe. Now, what I did, I'll be honest, for the vintage line, though, I started catching on with the H from the, the figures, you know, meaning going to Battle Armor, Thunder Punch, Flying Fist, and then it was even represented on Dragon Walker. I really did start getting to that H because I was like, you know what? Yeah. You know, when people see Batman's symbol, you know that's Batman. You know this is Spider-Man. You know this is Superman. But for He-Man, like you said, here's the Iron Cross. And some people might think, okay, wait, is that He-Man? Oh, is that something from like, you know, you know, um, ancient literature? Is it something? Like you said, anything. They might start picking a part of where is this and what does it mean? Because it can be used for multiple things. Unlike the other superheroes, you know their thing. So when they made the H for the toys, I was like, that could be like He-Man's symbol. But I know, of course, people are familiar with what they seen as the original toys, Iron Cross and in the cartoon, but I got into it myself. I was like, damn, I thought it'd been cool if he could have had that H or something used for the future. But, you know, like you said, when they came to NYP, they go to a different design. I was like, that's too bad they couldn't use the vintage thing and try to do that H design. I felt they had to, even though they, you know, felt like they had to put their own spin on the, on the, the visuals, you know, not, you know, with everybody, but they still maintain that. Like Skeletor still has the crossbones on his chest. Why couldn't we have seen the HM thrown into the thrown in as He Man's? You know, even for a variant, you know, or I mean, if like the, which I always felt that the the battle sound figures of He Man Skeletor should have been the the battle armor He Man Skeletor, not those giant ridiculous you know robot oh. machines. The battle sounds when you hit the button, and it, it's it's Alan Oppenheimer's uh, voice and John Irwin's voice. That should have been the battle armor because battle armor He Man had that what look was kind of similar to the yeah. HM, not spot on, but very, it was like but similar. And it was a silver armor, just like battle armor He Man had. So and when I saw, I'm like, God, that looks that looks like a, an updated version of the battle armor He Man with the headpiece on and everything, and. Why, why that was never incorporated, that that should have been Battle Armor He-Man. Yeah, I didn't, you're right. I didn't get that either because I remember, you know, it was called Battle Sound He-Man, Battle Sound Skeletor. And I remember they came out and I thought, hey, these are kind of cool. And the shiny armor, they had those, you know, like you said, their voices in it. And then later on, here came Battle Armor He-Man, Battle Armor Skeletor with those crazy mecked out things. That I was like, what? This ain't the battle armor I think of. And you're right. I remember I took a collage picture one time where I was like, I took all the the battle armor he-man versions of the figure and put them together and i put the godforsaken weird one the 2000x big mech one everybody said armor he-man it's the silver one and i was like this one they said yeah i was like well i said i agree with you i said but no they unfortunately called this battle sound so but you're right that should have been like a battle armor not that weird crap but nothing in your head thinks battle armor when you see that I don't know. I there, I would love to sit down with somebody who who had. I mean, a lot of hands on with the designs, the, the the green lining for a lot of those, you know, gimmicks and god awful variants that they get. Just and and that would be completely cool with and and polite. But like, why why didn't you do battle armor? Why didn't you do throwbacks to? You know, because if kids aren't aren't familiar with it, what's the harm in re-releasing what the adult fans are already familiar with for the for the current generation? Why do you feel like we got to come up with a bunch of really, you know, we have to have mega fist and mega punch and 
you know, and smash this and smash that and, you know, switchblade He-Man and, and, and uh, you know, the Swiss Army He-Man. Went to town with those. You know, and some, some of the variants, you know, even is, is and everyone associates uh, the Spinblade and Smashblade He-Man Skeletor as, yes, they wore shelf bellies. However, Ooh. the color designs and the gimmicks themselves, I, I thought were fine because it was like reminiscent of the Flying Fist uh, He-Man. So I'm like, you know what, I, I'm cool with that. It's just a shame that that was always, you know, clogging the shelves up for such a long time and is always looked upon as the, the two variants, which... They were. I'm sorry, but they were not the only variants clogging the shelves up. You know? No, um, I agree. They weren't the only. They seemed like they definitely dominated. But I guess the reason being is when you looked at all the other variants, they were ones that had at least a different type of armor, maybe a sculpt different. Like as goofy as that jungle attack He Man was. I mean, he was in a completely crazy <laughs> pose. Will, and when I saw the two up statue of the jungle attack He Man when the line was announced. I thought having He-Man looking like Rambo with the red headband <laughs> yeah. in, the, in, the, in the war of, of uh, paint on his body, I'm like, you know, with the bow and arrow, I'm like, God, that looks pretty badass to me. Now, granted, you know, the final figure didn't stand up very well at all. The and pose I, ruined. Would have, well, the, yeah. the pose did ruin. However, the, the actual idea of He-Man essentially looking like Rambo you know, that, that would have been cool to see that in an episode where Heyman is stripped of his power harness and all of his other weapons has now got to go into, you know, the um, the, the Forgotten Forest or the Evergreen Forest. Or and something. then he gets all camouflage-like. I like that, yeah. Not, nothing to fend for him. No, no, no defense except his, his like Rambo, his, his own kind of survival uh, tactics. So to come up with using mud to put on his body is some sort of, you know, disguised camouflage. And he's got, you know, uh, a part of an Eternian flag that he's found that's fallen. He takes part of it, wraps it around his head, constructs <laughs> yeah, yeah. a bow and arrow, and, and then goes on to fight some of the evil warriors. And this, that would have been a great way. I think people would have been behind the jungle attack because all he sees is this extremely random variant in the first wave or the maybe second wave at the, thing at the time of the, he, of the, of the 2000X toy line. And I, I always heard everybody speak so poorly of it. Like, no, and I agree. I liked it. Like I said, the idea that it just yeah, the, the name and idea and everything was great. But I mean, the execution of the figure itself in that pose sucked because he's always like in this weird leaned back, and you. Wait, he's, I, I ended up having to pose the, the leaned back ah. foot forward to kind of counterweight with the bow and everything. It still and I, wasn't fun, you know. It just. It no. wasn't fun as for good posing. Like the same thing, like Triclops was cool, but he was always put in that pose. And as bizarre as it sounds, I have these figures from China of some of the 2000X uh, figures and variants of He-Man. And they're like two inches bigger. And they took attack He-Man design and made one for those big eight inch China 2000X figures. But he's not in that goofy pose. He's in a regular pose. I was like, hey, you look cooler now. Plus it's a bigger figure, but... See what you could do with the customization, like of a jungle attack He-Man. You know, taking a classic figure, you know, and whether it's the the snake armor classic head or even the vintage style head or something, and coming up with, you know, a, a classic guy's jungle attack with the new bow and arrow, you know, the war paint. You know, I, I, I think it'd be fun to see you kind of cut loose and kind of add on to the jungle attack, add a little bit more of a, you know, um. 
we'll classicize it, you know, add, add a little bit more grit to a jungle yeah. attack team. I might try. I might attempt that, that. That would be, that. of all the variants from that 2000, and, the, you know, Smash Blade and Spin Blade did look cool. Battle Sounds looked cool. And um, the Snake Armor, I don't care what people say, I thought it looked pretty badass. However, that jungle attack, I would love to see Joe tackle that to see how 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 much more how far could you go with the jungle attack with the war paint, you know it just to have he meant running around in the jungle, taking out enemies with a bow and arrow silently when you you close in on his eyes as he's focused on like two bad walking by you got the wind blowing and he's got like the the bandana blowing I mean God especially with the sword yeah especially if at some point his sword was not with him and he has to retrieve his sword so he has to go through the stuff to get it strictly weaponless. Power yeah. harness, I mean, no power harness. It is strictly He-Man coming up with what he can find around him. And like, yeah, much be cool. like uh, uh, Arnold in Predator, when he's got the mud on and he constructs in his own bow and arrow, uh, you know, it, with like, you know, taking and breaking and taking and spinning uh, or bending a lot of sticks with vines. Yeah. It together. That's what I wouldn't want to see He-Man do it in this particular episode where he puts on the war. Do it as a throwback <laughs> to Predator, you know. That'll, that'll be awesome. Awesome. I'll, I'll see what I can do, man. I'll see what I can do. And uh, well, I was gonna say before we move into our character discussions about Titus and Megator, I just want to shout out to Josh Hale again. He said, "Thanks for the shout out, Joe." He says, "My wife walking by just said, did he just say your name?'" So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. And say, uh, let me just say hi to Josh's wife. So, hi, Josh's wife. In case you heard that too. <laughs> but uh, all right, we're well, our character, um, you know, profiles and discussion today are on two people: the Giants, Titus and Megator. And as you know, back in the vintage days, well, here in the United States, we never got them. You know, those were, you know, European exclusives release. We were supposed to get them, but I won't go into that story because I've already done that a million times. But they did have, uh, I can't remember, and, you know, I hate it if I'm going to give somebody credit and it's not the right person. And I'm going to, I'm hoping it was Josh Van Pelt. I'm hoping that I thought he showed an actual American box that they had for Titus that I don't know if he had the proof of it because remember it was never released in the U S so you only seen the European versions, but on the English version, which he showed the text and everything from, you see a little more about talking about Titus and Megator, at least on the back for like Titus says, it says like the giants come from an incredible place known as mammoth Valley where everything is 10 times the, the normal size of, you know, like everything else. So I thought that was cool. It's like, I don't think I ever heard of Mammoth Valley anywhere else. And of course, this is back in Fraternia. So this makes you wonder, you know, we got, of course, in the classics line, we, we got them in the mini comics, but it's not what we would have got back in the days. So Titus no. and Megator, we never traced from them, but I can only envision since, you know, we were supposed to get Hero and Eldor, and I'm sure they would even give us a gray and then we would have had Titus and Megator. What do you think, Tommy? First, you could just discuss about what you think about them. But I always thought, man, how cool would their stories have been? Because I'm sure they would have been featured prominently in many comics in anything for that line that could have happened. God, I wish it did. It's 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 it's, it's like with Hero too, a, a big tease of what what could have been and what should have been. To yeah, to have expanded. The mythology of He-Man of having giants, like an actual like big, big giants running around, um, especially in a, um, in a, also to kind of expand upon that, there's that artwork in the Power and Honor Foundation book 
that depicts the land of the giants with, you know, the dinosaurs running around and stuff like that too, where you've got lots of giants, you know, lots of, I, I don't have the book on me at the moment. I've got it somewhere in one of these boxes or something like that. But I, I think there was like a couple of different, like there was, was like a, a variety of like megators and other giants, like human giants, you know, kind of reminiscent of Titus running around. You've got hero, and King Hiss and the Snake Men running around. So you just like all hell's broken loose with dinosaurs and giants and snake men and wizards and stuff. But like, God, man, this just would have been a, a tremendous backstory. And um, I, 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 uh, I didn't really, I don't think I got to see the actual giants like visually until uh, it may have been the Adam Tyner website or in Lee's tour review because they used to do a lot of spreads on the He-Man toy line, like Men on Card and then Loose, and they would show you everything. But um, I, I thought they were awesome-looking giants. And, and then to come across the box art, which really made my mind just sit and look at that box art, especially Titus. Because <laughs> yeah. it's so cool to see castles that were not Castle of Grayskull in the background. They look like your tr- traditional four-parapet four castle, you know, like a, a basic medieval castle. But you've got Squeeze, Snake Face, Tongue Lasher in the background, standing around in awe as Titus is taking his weapon and grabbing a hold of King Hiss as Hero's kind of standing there, you know, you know, you know, praising him for, for what he's doing and kind of, you know, uh, taunting the rest of the Snake Man. You know, like, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to kick your ass here. But it was just, it just made you more like, God, man, the stories we could have gotten. I mean, just that, that beautiful box art just made me think of what pre Eternium. That it wasn't just barren wastelands of rock formations and mountains and stuff. No, we've got beautiful kind of medieval gothic castles and stuff like that being torn apart by Megator. He goes on a big kicking frenzy and he's on smashing stuff with his wrecking ball. I mean, it just was leaves so much to be desired. And it, God, it's it's a it's a absolute shame. I hope I'm gonna do my best people people here to not cuss much if at all anymore here so just i'm as i'm getting excited i'm like i've already i've already set up two smalls like i'll make that my limit here anyway it's it's just it is i mean it feels like there's so many great stories to be told not just one or two or three mini comic stories i'm talking a whole a mythology an entire universe based on the pre-attorney itself where you got snake men you got hero and elder the dinosaurs and the giants and then you could expand upon that, especially with characters that, you know, we, that were, it may, may have been hinted at, you know. I often wonder, too, you know, the, um, like, Hotshot or Plasmar and Lord Grasp and, and uh, Terror, when we saw those pictures, that when the, the black and white Earl MacArthur, I used to wonder, I wonder if those were supposed to be, you know, pre-attorney characters. You know, yeah. I, and I don't know if that ever was really, really expanded on if they said it was or if it was just going to be a quick filler wave before, you know, we got the well, pre-attorney. Like you said, it probably was going to, because if Strobo was on his way using reused parts, it's safe to say that Plasmar, hot, uh, uh, Grasp, and Terror would have would have been same thing with the, the, the Snake Man Horde Troopers. But it when I first saw them, I thought, I wonder if those would have been pre-Eternia characters running around like, you know, Plasma or Hotshot would have been uh, a buddy for Hero to be running around in pre-Eternia time, you know. Or, yeah, it just, man, I always say it just, it's a punch in the stomach to when I seen those, like I said, that catalog when I was a kid and, and really thinking they were coming and they never did. Just the thought of, 
what if they did come? You know, what if, you know, I mean, unfortunately, the line ran its course in the United States. So we didn't get the Giants. We didn't get the laser figures. Those, again, other, you know, country exclusives. And we didn't get to have those. But it makes you think, what, what if the Power of Grayskull line did come out and it succeeded? And, we, you know, what if we did get more Giants? Picture our collections now. Oh, we'd have giant Titus, Megator, and other big giants. We would have had that monster Gigantosaur that would probably be just, I mean, holy God. I mean, that thing was the biggest thing you'd ever see. I think it stood taller than the Eternia playset. But would they make more giants? All the other characters, would they explain more about the G? Because as you know, you look at Titus and he has a G on his symbol and you're like, what's a G on his symbol for? But then if you look, you'll see that some of the concept original art for a hero he had a G on his chest. So I don't know if that was standing for his name Gray or if they're going to call him Gray Skull. Or I don't know if they had any other things about Hero. I'll be honest. I never dug into that. Did they I, ever? I, I'd always I'd always been under the impression that, that Gray Skull, because I, I follow, if people who listen to this, this podcast know, I, I am I carry the biggest flag for Hero as being the, the sole source of power for He-Man the reason Grayskull was built is, is to honor Grayskull. And I'd like to have thought that it wasn't necessarily because he died. It's that this castle was built, you know, as almost like th this would be Hero's fortress. This would be his home, his royal palace, so to speak. You know, and then when he dies, you know, his entire existence, his power, everything, you know, is kind of guarded by the elders and when then then they take off or, or, or I, I don't know there's so much you could do you know well, I guess what i was or, asking though do you think of itself is not necessarily housing hero's power at first that it, it could be made in his honor to honor when when the character does pass away which would not be due to some ridiculous techno virus nonsense that no. was written but the G, what do you think maybe they would explain more? Because like I said, that became Titus's then. Titus had the G. I, I, took, I think that is Titus is a defender of Grayskull. And that Grayskull is built in hero's honor because his name is Gray. You know, I, I took it as Grayskull. I guess that's why it would make sense that the castle would be forged after his death. Castle Grayskull. Well, I mean, because like I said, things in my head start, you know, exploding because like you said, you, we really don't know what the hell they were going to do. But we know that originally Hero had the G, then they scrapped that idea and then put that kind of like H design or whatever you want to say that was basically an H. He got that then in the, you know, vintage figure that we never got. But then... Mega, I mean, Titus kept that G. So I wonder if they, like you said, were going to spin it differently. Like maybe they thought, okay, we're originally going to call him Grayskull. Maybe no, let's change it. We'll call him Hero, and let's throw the G over to Titus, and maybe Titus can wear in honor of something. Like you're right. I don't know. That's what kills me. I always think, man. Well, I mean, what else could the G stand for? I mean, yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Well, Giant. plus with Grayskull, all the powers of Grayskull. I mean, it's a big G on his chest. This guy is a defender of Grayskull, and. And it, it, in this toy line, we probably would have seen the formation of the castle itself. And that the, the whole idea, I mean, because that, that would be using what they did in 2000X, but that this castle is built as a home to Hero to house all of Eldor's secrets, you know, his books and things like that. It's built to him, and, they, and Titus is there as, as a, you know, a full-on defender of this castle. Hell, maybe even help build the damn thing. Could you picture how prominent he would have been? I, like I said, in those stories back then, I, you know that. It, oh. 
<laughs> Titus would have been a very, and it would have been cool to see other giants. You can almost have like a faction of heroic giants, and then maybe not a faction of evil giants. Because I picture Megator as being a loner. Well, I they, like to look at. I can't see him teaming up with other giants. This I bet there like, would have been. There probably would have been others, but I mean, seeing that on the back of that box, it did say that they came from you know that land that was you know, giant, where everything was giant. I'm sure that giants would have, you know, had a major role back then, but those two would have been prominent. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate, like you said, we, we got a mini-comic after all these years when we finally got Titus and Megatron Classics, but they were just dismissed so easily. And it, I, it just annoyed me because, like I said, we didn't... It's mentioned, though, in the Powers of Grayskull mini-comic, which is the only, the closest thing we'll ever get in the Vintage line is when, when they enter Preternia... And Sorceress tells He-Man, like, over that way, that's the land of the giants. That's the only acknowledgement of, of Titus mm. and Megator that we get. And when you look at that, you're thinking, God, what, what, what's going on in Red? Like, right, right where we're at right now is the, is, is, is the Snakeman invasion and te tearing apart that, that village and, and, and probably devouring the villagers and stuff like that just for the, the fun of it. But in that direction, man, that's where the giants are at. You just I think, know. You, are there fights me. going on over there? Are are the dinosaurs used as pets to the giants in this in this in this mythology? Like, is a T Rex running? You know, kind of. I mean, obviously not necessarily like, like obedient pets, but I could see like like dino riders, like the Brontosaurus. I could see it being kind of calm and easy with with Titus, you know, like kind of at his side. Whereas a T Rex is running around, just kind of being malicious, just like Megatron. You got, you know, I, I, just so you many know what I can. You know what I always hope? I mean, I know that they've said they've pretty much looked through most things that they know. They said, okay, they definitely did not draw out, a, you know, an issue two of Power Grey School or three or whatever. But with how things are always popping up of old pieces of art, something crazy, somebody looking in an old warehouse, a, a drawer, some place, it would be so awesome, even if they didn't have it drawn. But if they had like a little bit of a a little script written out or something or storyboarded of what they had planned. I keep crossing my fingers because just last week or earlier this week, last week, however you want to say, I think uh, Rebecca Taylor, you know, Mark Taylor's wife, she posted up uh, an image of two other early concept pieces of Mark Taylor that nobody's ever seen. And one, they pretty much think it might have been an early version of Manny Faces. It's yeah. this character that has all these crazy masks. It's like, what the hell? I mean, my head, I was, just, I was freaking out seeing it. And then this other character that looks like a tree-type warrior. But when you see stuff like that, you can only hope maybe there's a miracle. Maybe somewhere in some goofy file folder is going to pop up a story where they're going to have at least maybe issue two a powers of gray skull and we could actually see maybe what they had planned because i guarantee you titus and megator would appear if they didn't appear in second issue it had to been the third but i think I, they would have showed up in those mini i truly believe that that book was never written there may have been maybe a script outlined of that like that's what i hope that's what i hope yeah yeah but actual like illustrations and stuff like that i i just feel like no i, I don't i don't think it, it had been done but i i i would like to have thought that the second issue would have been the sorceress talking to He-Man, and then you're seeing flashback. Like, the whole book is about revealing who Hero is. You know, and, and you would see him, you know, hold, holding the staff up just like he did in that, that shot in The Powers of Grayskull. And it's like He-Man looking through this mirror, or uh, or, or the, the sorceress, like, hall, hall of um, uh, living pictures or something like that. 
and you're watching the story take place of who Hero is. Where does he come from? How did he get his powers from Eldor? And the the, the battle between him and the Snake Men and introducing, I mean, it just would have been an epic mini comic drawn by, you know, uh, uh, Larry Houston. I mean, it, it just, God, man, it just, it it's, 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 Breaks the heart to know we had such a great idea coming towards us. It got canned, mm. and it, it, it has been, you know, not treated with the dignity that it deserves. It has not been, I mean, well, it's probably best to be laid, laid dormant because if DC and the rest of those, you know, goofs who, who don't seem to actually want to treat this the source material with any kind of dignity and respect, it's probably best that no one attempts to, hey, it was never done before. I got an idea for that, and I'll go throw in my my creative character and throw him in DC Comics too, and, and ruin everything and piss everybody off. And uh, you know, it's 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 fun. It's so much fun to think about. God, I, I would love to have a crack at fleshing that that story out, just because I it just felt like there would be so many great things you could do with it, and and it just it felt like it wouldn't affect anything that fans know from the current mythology. It would not affect. The, the role of the sorceress, where Skelter comes from, the Horde, and all this. I feel like it could be its own contained story of the of the creation of Grayskull itself because I, 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 I 120% believe that that castle, had this continued, would have been made... Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, as either Hero's home or as a monument to honor him. One or the other. I would... It, it would have been kind of cool to see Hero living in Grayskull, though. It would have, you know, actual home, and that—that's where he lives. He, you know, Eldor trains him there, and is constantly, you know. Well, here, here's the thing: on the back of that box that I was speaking of, where you finally see it in English and everything explained for people maybe never seen it before. It also said, you know, on his back of his box for Titus, it said, "Travel back in time through a secret time portal and discover the origin of the power of Grayskull." Learn how He-Man became so strong. And it said, then explore the magical world of Preternia, home of Hero, the most powerful wizard in the universe. So they had something special set up for us. And yeah, we never... The Bionotops box uh, description here. Does it say the same thing? I I see. Yeah, travel back in time to the portals. Learn explore the magical world of Preternia, home of Hero, the most powerful wizard, and dinosaurs are fierce giants, both good and evil, struggle for control of this strange and hostile land. Did it say yeah. learn how He-Man became so strong? It said that too? Uh, no, actually, um, on, uh, see, next it said the dinosaurs in the time of great, of, of time of Grayskull, the di- in the time of Grayskull, you're like, okay. Hmm. Did they mention Mammoth Valley? Because I don't have that box anymore, and I haven't seen it in so long. This says next is, can Hero master all the good magic of the ancient wizards and protect the future, protect future eternity from for uh, from forever falling in the claws of evil? Look for Hero and the powers of grace will coming your way in eighty seven. Okay. okay. We were supposed to have this toy line the mm-hmm. same year the movie came out, which God, man, it's. Probably by Christmas '87, you know, we would have gotten Hero and Eldor, and oh man. Yeah, well, well, what could have been? But I, I'm so glad. Like I said, that was the month. Yeah, no, I'm I glad we out on you know these, like I did, you know, when the the first, you know, well, pretty much the whole toy line for that matter came out. I I would have been there. It's just like when I'm when I'm able to figure out what action figures are in Discovery, He Man. 
close the door, close the doors, kid. You know, you, you had enough. You know, it's like I didn't, didn't even get on get, to get on the ride once. Uh, man, like again, what could have been? But uh, yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, like I said, it's a uh, that's all you really had for Titus and Megator. I mean, the there's the current there's the, there's not a whole lot of um, backstory to those characters, and unfortunately, on to think of. I will say. Uh, Axel Jimenez did, did some really cool um, illustrations of Megator and, and, um, and uh, Titus. The, like some, these are like some old illustrations he did. He's kind of hard on himself for for some of his older stuff, but they always they were so so cool looking and kind of uh, throwbacks to what could have been. You know, they're, they're, it's mm -hmm. a, a, like the the Snake Men running around. You got Megator attacking and Hero, and it was uh, just really really cool stuff i mean it, it it's it just it just keeps you keeps you hungry for like you know what it just you really wish yep. that someone that someone with money and someone who knows how would get behind this and get give all these these what if scenarios you know they're they're due give them some life cuz i don't have the uh I don't have it. There was an Italian comic that did uh, feature. I don't know how prominent it was, but Megator did. Pe uh, excuse me, did feature in an Italian comic years ago. I was back in the days in the eighties. Megator did appear in one. I had some screen grabs. I mean, I can always try to post them later, but Megator showed up. I don't think Titus, but Megator did in some kind of story. I just wish I could have knew what what the heck was going on. But well, I was gonna say before we transition into our final topic, Adam in the chat room was hoping you could just. Put your Bionotops or whatever. Did you have Bionotops or Turbodactyl? He wanted to see it up close. He uh, thought he'd get a kick out of seeing that in the sealed box. Yeah. Bionotops here. I'm trying to make sure it's lined up with the entire screen there. If you can, as I'm talking, if you can see the entire um, front of it. Can you see it all right, Joe? Yep, got a perfect one. Now that I talked, it switched to me, but there you go. So there you go, Adam. He gave it to you. You got to. Sure, sorry. Just to kind of give you an idea. Um, if you haven't seen it for uh, the people who are viewing YouTube there, kind of, it's a simple illustration on the back there, but um, I mean, I, I, I always love the box art from I, the front and back. They were by different artists. You could tell, but I always love the cool pieces of art. Oh, I, I, I did too. And I, I, I treasure that. Bion, I never owned Bion tops as a kid. That's the only one that I've got is one I, I got from Brian's toys back in the year 2000 for, I think, 20 or 30 bucks you got that for 20 or 30 bucks boxed really yeah yeah it was uh it was Dang. i think it was around christmas time they, they were they i think they had a lot of deals on some of their stuff and I, I think i paid about 30 bucks for it um wow at that time this was i was still in high school 30 bucks might as well have been 100 bucks you know when i, when I only, only going by money that i got for christmas and at that time i was getting an allowance so yeah, it, that was like oh my god! I was like it's, I I I I got I must have this. this. This was you know, this was around that time too where I, I was slowly starting to dabble in eBay. But I was doing most of my toy shopping from toy shops that I would see ads for in their magazines and go on their website and see what was available and stuff. I remember it was at a Kmart. I, I always just remember because it, I didn't again. I didn't expect those things. And all of them weren't there. Eventually, then we had to search other stores. But I remember seeing Tyrannosaurus Rex at Kmart. That, for some reason, stuck in my head so much seeing that purple 
cool looking oh i didn't want to say purple dinosaur because i sure the hell ain't referring to barney but i just remember seeing that just vicious looking dinosaur freaking out got that thing and oh god was i obsessed of winding up that the mecha drone putting it in having it fly across oh god i love that damn gimmick so i, I was too my, my granddaddy got it for me i think it was at, at, at a kb toys at, at a mall in pennsylvania when i we went to go visit him and uh it's kind of like that one that one you know it's like you go visit your grandparents and they, they like to do something fun for you we went out to a, a mall uh during that visit and i remember seeing the t-rex on i guess what appeared to be like a top shelf or something like that and he got it for me we took it back home uh, to their house i i played with that t-rex with my he-man figures and that little madrome and looking at that mini comic and just was just forever mm -hmm. just taken aback by oh man it was, it was just um those those dinosaurs, man, they 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 were such a God, man. We we do this. It just it just makes me want to sort of uh, just. What, Those were the days, man. That was the good stuff. It was. Man, it really is. It it's 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 not beating it in Mattel's head enough that this Powers of Grayskull line had so much potential, and it's just it's like everybody just kind of forgets that. Yeah, we were going to do that, and um, but it was at the time when the He-Man toy line was dying, so it's like they never look at it as anything more as, oh, those were plans that people kept buying the toy line, but since the people didn't care, why should we? You're like, no, you don't really understand how treasured and celebrated this spinoff toy line is with fans. and uh, It's un unfortunate. Like we always say, it could have been, but all right, man, well... Now that we're done with that, we'll move into our final topic, and you got to tell everybody what to do like you always do. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I've waited a long time for this one here myself. <laughs> and uh, what we'll be doing here is doing a commentary for the return of uh, Orko's uncle, which I saw on this VHS tape. And as you see on the back here, you've got, you know, this uh, images that I would see every time I would go to Beyond Video video Store in this in uh, Radford, Virginia, where I currently live still. And uh, this particular tape was rented quite well, not this exact one. I got this one at a video store in Pulaski where Nathan used to live that was still selling or still renting tapes when I was in high school and in college. I'm sure you rented it up to where you probably could have bought the thing if you wanted well, well, believe it, Beyond, Beyond Video is where I bought my first VHS tape, which was uh, Volume uh, 9. Uh, no, wait, this is 9. Volume uh, 10 uh, of, of He-Man, which features Evelyn's plot and uh, Disappearing Act. I, I did five bucks to buy a previous view tape of that. Had I seen this copy at Beyond, uh, Beyond Video, I'm calling Beyond Retro. That's where, <laughs> this is, that's where I got the name Beyond Retro was from Beyond Video, this video store that I went to. Yeah. But had I seen this tape available to buy, I would have bought it by far. I mean, it would have, oh, man, it have been awesome. But um, we'll be doing a commentary for Return of Orko's Uncle. Uh, the episode, I'm pretty sure, is available to watch on YouTube. I don't think it JD has it on his channel. But um, but it is on there. The Return of Orko's Uncle is on YouTube. If you guys wanted to click it, split screen so you could still hear our commentary and watch and mute it if you want to hear how we do our commentary along with the episode. But... Yeah, you go ahead. Finish it up. Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna watch it on mobile device here as I'm talking to Joe here. So I'm just gonna count down from three, and then when I hit pl say play, you hit play at the same time as me on your DVD, VHS, or you uh, YouTube, wherever you're at, iTunes, purchase whatever it might be. Um, three, two, one, play. Bing. 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 Now, now, Jojo. 
prior prior to coming in contact with me, did did you, are you familiar with people ever discussing this episode or? You know what said? I I I'm familiar with them talking. <laughs> no, no, I'm familiar with them discussing it, but mainly due to the parts with what Orko does at some point during this episode, which, you know, when it comes up, we'll discuss. But as for the main villains, which I love in this episode, and I know you love them to death, I was like, I don't hear no people talking about that much. It's like, how can you guys not like these two villains? Especially when you see them, it's like, how? I only hear Uncle Montour, Orko, and then when Orko does what he does, which you know what I'm saying. But, yeah, you know, talk about... uh well, I mean, everybody knows who the villains are in this, I'm sure, as Rog and Spydra. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't hear them talking about them, which that sads me because I was I always liked them. They're original. They, they definitely were memorable because you, you didn't see characters like that in any of the other episodes. You know, when you see new main villains, they stuck in your head. And, of course, you'd wanted toys of them. Not all the time. And th- that was something special about this episode here, which I, I as this opening shot here of Trolla. This was the first time I saw anything of Troll. I hadn't seen Dawn and Dragoon yet when I saw this episode. Uh, I, I just always thought this was cool. And then you, you close in and see this this uh, imprisoned Azrog here. But I, I I was not fond of episodes that didn't feature Skeletor as the, as the primary villain 90% of the time. This was one of the few episodes that I would rent. And I, I knew that Skeletor was not the villain in this episode. And I it didn't care. Or I didn't care, excuse me. Because... Oh, it- but I found him to be quite frightening. Yeah, and as you see right there, you know, he's thought, you know, Montour thought he imprisoned Azra yeah. right there, but he's like, nope. And what's funny is, it's not where I got the phrase where I call you my partner in crime, but he's going to find his partner in crime, Spydra on Eternia. Yeah, which I, I just <laughs> thought, it made, it made it kind of frightening to me that Azra was so defiant right there. And then you see this split off here, which used to yep. freak me out because Oh, no, he's going to go to the spider. No, you got to get out of there, man. And then this cool looking visual spider's castle here. And I just thought spider was just as scary as Shakoti as a kid. This awesome panning shot down here and she cackles. God, it scared me so much as a kid. And I it's, used to feel so bad for Montour being trapped in this castle. Oh, man, I felt so bad for him. Yeah, he's he never had luck, it seemed like, with anything. He's always getting split from wherever. I mean, if it wasn't getting split from Gark in the other episode, <laughs> Gark's one spot, and he's always getting split from wherever the hell he's supposed to go, it seems like. But yeah, now he's got his first encounter with with Spider. I had a question though. Now, we know that, of course, Orko, they always say his magic doesn't work properly or as good on the Eternity as it does on Trala. He's supposed to be the most powerful wizard on Trala and everything, but it seemed like they always had the other Trollins. Like, I mean, when Montour comes, Montour can use his, and then Azron can use his magic. I just, I don't know. I felt like uh, something got lost in translation when they... I think a lot of times that's it's, it's just kind of the, the lack of continuity because yeah. they have a whole lot of it. It's a fun plot device to kind of justify why Orko's magic doesn't work all the time. But you don't have enough time to justify. And we don't even know that Azron comes directly from Troll. We yeah, just you're... know he's an evil sorcerer that, that came from Trollin, but we don't know that he is of Trollin blood or descent. I noticed one other thing, not a big thing, but I seen an underbite snaggletooth from Cringer when he was under that table. I usually see the 
the upper snaggle tooth. I don't know if that under was shown much, but I, it always caught my eye to see that under snaggle tooth. I figured you or definitely James Etak would know how many times he's had an under snaggle tooth, but it just I, caught my eye for a reason. Attention to that, to be honest. Yeah, he did that, but uh, this, of course, we're going to see, you know, an encounter. We might see some magic going on here, and <laughs> when I see this scene, Attila getting trapped by the blanket, I, for some reason, think of the naked gun when Leslie Nielsen gets the pillow or the towel thrown at him, he's like, mm, mm, and he, and I was like, it's a blanket, and it looks... And it's a nice way of saying just how useless Tila can be a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, and then... In any situation, she just she just crumb you know buckles like a belt. Right, but not only her, Oracle throws the blanket on Azrog, and apparently well, it's Kristenite. Not a blanket; it's more or less like a the equivalent of a net. You know, when well, you see a net in action, people struggle to get out of it. So yeah, I just always looked at it as like just a big blanket. Like, oh, that must be the Kryptonite. You know, I mean, magic won't do it. But you look, he, he's he's paralyzed. He's stuck on the ground. Thank. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, but that, that naked gun scene came into my head, and I know you know that scene. I uh, just don't want people coming away from this thinking, oh, yeah, man, Azrong and Spiker suck, man. They got beat by a blanket. Like, no. Well, Tila did, too, so Tila got beat by the blanket. But then here we go. Now, what's the name? Is that Cog or Cog? What is the name of it's I As a kid, I always thought, because the way Alan Oppenheimer's talking, it sounds like he's saying Cog, but it's Karg, just like the movie character, Karg. Oh, it is. But is it spelled differently, I hope, with a C, maybe, or something? But with a K, no kidding. I I never knew that. I always I, I I'm I'm pretty certain in in James's first edition of the of the unofficial uh, He-Man episode guide, uh, he he it's it's in the it's in the notes for that episode that his name is written as Karg. Oh, okay. Because when I but heard it's not like he's saying Cog, like C O G. Yeah, because yeah, because when Azrog first was saying it, I thought he was saying Cog. But later, when He Man says it, and the others, you are hearing Karg, like you said, you hear Karg pretty clearly. I I, I never could because it sounded like He Man said Garg. Like, like oh, did it, as a kid at least, it, no one no one ever said it, you know, proficiently. Everyone was saying it differently, so I could never figure out what the name of the dragon's name was. Um. But um, uh, as we're heading to Spider's Castle here, um, see this this should have been used so much more. Like, there's so much detail put into that castle here, and there's such striking villains. It's a shame that even though Troll has been revisited numerous times, why these two villains never were shown, seen again? I mean, I know we have our one shot villains stuff like that, but I. I just, I almost feel like I'm like, why am I the only one? In, thankfully, you you see this too, but why is it like no one sees like the the visual appeal and and the just the badass factor of these two? I mean, she's a well, looking evil no. source, green skin, green punked hair, a curvy body, and just with no eye people, she just looks creepy. Sure. I also like that right there, though. Montour showed Bam, like, hey, I'm a magician, too. I like how he busts out the net like nothing, and Bam uses his magic to trap her. That's what I mean. He's showing how bad he is. Montour, like, you want to play? I'm going to play with you. And you're not getting silliness. You're not getting stupid water buckets falling no, on somebody's head. I like this episode so much more than Montour's first appearance or Chris' favorite uncle. Even as a kid, I didn't like it. As an adult, I don't like it still. This this is to me the quintessential Uncle Montor episode, and it may it's it's for a variety of reasons. Was it just me, or did his voice sound slightly different in this one than his first appearance? A lot of his, a lot of times his voice, but this particular version that Lou Scheimer did, this is Uncle Montor's voice for me. It sounds different in Return of Orca's Uncle. I know it changes, and um, 
um, oh God, I'm drawing blanks here. In some of the other episodes, like the the Sheer episode, um, uh, where, where Uncle Montort shows up in that. Um, God, I can't I can't remember the name of the episode. Sorry, Sheer fans, I can't. I'm drawing a blank on that one, but I don't know it at the moment. However, this I... is my, and I always like this. The, the music and this shot of Azrael clenching his fist, looking so, def, you know, so defiant and, and just how easily he just stops Montour's match, just snaps his fingers. And look, look at the, just the yeah. hunch, the visual of Azrael himself, you know? Yeah, just, because it definitely changes from, like you said, how it first started where Teal and him get caught in, you know, what I called the blanket. But yeah, now he's showing what he can do. It's like, bam, with the snap of fingers, he got rid of the bubble there. But then he's showing that basically later he's going to show he runs the show and you're going to see what he does with, you know, Spider because I always thought they were kind of like a team. Because remember when you said that's his partner in crime, I thought, okay, they're like teammates, but kind of, you know, can do in a little bit. That's, that's what I said. You, you do see a lot of good magic use of all of them in this episode. Yeah, the, imagine all the all these characters are used, like Orko, he, even though he, he gets himself in trouble, he's still written very... And Douglas Booth does a great job, and he wrote both episodes of Orko's favorite uncle in the, in this episode. And um, uh, he... he Oh, that's cool. Right there. Now he's like, you know, you're under Mike, man. See, and there's the, the crazy eyes and look, bam, he just puts her... Right under his control, he's wanting, I think, her to take care of. Was it Orko or Montork while he takes care of the others? In card right now to, to to go stop He-Man, but then oh yeah, he he tells tells her that you know I'll take care of Montork. He gives her the to me. It's like dude, you're gonna give her the harder task. You're gonna send Spider to go take on He-Man and Tila, and you're gonna take on Montork. I almost feel like. What a typical heel. He's, 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 he's going to, which not to downplay because Montour is an extremely powerful magician. But from a kiss to him, like, and you're, you're given the task of her taking it by herself. Yep. Yeah. And again, I love that right there. Montour, bam, put up a bubble around him to protect him, he, man, and Teal. Like nothing. So I said, yeah, like, look, yeah, there you go. Montour, I just love that. He's so cool in this episode. He's yep, such an that- Uncle Montour is. He's so yep. cool. And you got now you got Orko wanting to show what he can do. So now he's going to go up there and try to take care of some business. Do that flopping around as he's floating around and here's he finds Spider's wand. I just thought that- yeah, this wand you got to watch closely too. When he gets this wand, see that it has like it looks like a bone fingernail. It, it, looks- it looks like Blaine's wand. Yeah, like look at that. You see how it is? It looks bone like. But then when they show it later, you're going to see in another scene. Yeah, it's different. The wand's thing that goes around that ball looks different in the next scene when uh spider comes to get that wand i don't know if you ever pay attention but i remember that kind of bugged me too especially when i'm sometimes maybe want to sculpt stuff now but i know it's different details like okay what was supposed to be the one i like the bone detail a little bit more it looks a little you know creepy oh yeah yeah it's it's, it's definitely kind of uh, what you'd expect an evil sorcerer's wand to look like like this kind of like clawed hand holding the pearl on the wand yeah um, Which, but yeah, they, they, this was another fearful moment for me when they're worried about trying to find Orko and this which, moment when Spider goes to get her wand, I, I felt so bad for Orko. This this her she goes off and oh my oh jeez, man, Orko's stuck. Yeah, he got, can't he get got out. The, Gotta yeah, get out. The, see see, look how different it is right there. It's yeah. completely different now. But yeah, he got caught in the stalk where he was trying to do with the magic beans. And it looks like, of course, they gave it a little more handle. Again, just, you know, just drawing differences, stuff like that happened. But, yeah, now she's got back her wand. But uh, 
Yeah, the, there's something else that happens. Again, never me picking on stuff, because like I said, I love the episode. But of course, there's a couple little like nitpicks. I see a particular part that's, and I wonder... That's an, 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 an animation error where, yeah, yeah. They, clearly, they, they took away some of the details. and um... He's so frightened. I like that. He's basically wants him to stop. And Orko didn't stop because of a magic spell. He stopped in fear. That's what I thought was kind of cool. But then he comes back. It's like he almost wants to see what he could do. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the... Hear a shock of like you know you actually speak to me like that like Azrael is just like the, the nerve of this guy it was just and then I, I got nervous for me here when the, the shadows looking down at him he just felt scared. and you were wondering what is going on that's what made it even cooler when you see later because you did wonder like what are they going to do or are they going to imprison him they're going to trap him somewhere you never know where they're going with half the stuff especially when it's your first time seeing it you're very curious what are they going to do and just. They look so cool here, Azrog and Spydra. Like just the the like look at Spydra's face right there. She just looks just I mean, just the epitome of evil. And I always love this shot here of, of them because this was on the back of the VHS tape. So I just thought this was such a cool, cool shot here of You're probably in. waiting the whole time to see it, seeing on the tape. Oh, but this right there is is this is the VHS box right there. I like this. Now, this is the part that I got a kick in. Of course, he man doing his thing, using his strength, traps her. But I like this part with Tila. Just right here, bam. Here's Spider. She's getting ready to use it. Tila grabs it, and Tila either just became super strong, or that's the cheapest damn wand you ever see. She snapped it like a toothpick. How did you ever well, pay The fact that she got, you know, bested by a blanket and trying to make herself look better in front of He-Man. And then, of course, she's taken captive immediately. So, Tila can't catch a break in this episode of trying to look competent. No, it's like, I didn't get it. She's trapped in the, the Leslie Nielsen blanket, but then she snaps that like a toothpick. Like, it was maybe she had the strength of the Tila from the, the DC comics that, remember, were before the cartoon, where she's throwing barbells like nothing. Maybe she had some of that strength all of a sudden. And He-Man had... The animation of He-Man swinging the grappling. I loved it. I always liked it. I did. I always liked when he got that grappling hook and used it. And now, now this part, though, see, this is where I got confused. You know, when he traps and puts Karg inside that sack and then is worried, like, oh, we better have them try to do something in case he grows. I, I was under the impression early that maybe Azrog made him grow, but they made it sound like maybe Karg can just grow himself that big. Is well, that what you got? I almost felt like they were trying to keep him kind of imprisoned at the moment before, uh, you know, he, he could... Uh, before. But he wanted, like, Montork here to use a spell to make sure he yeah. doesn't grow. So can you keep him from, you know, growing? And, of course, I mean, all it does is just, I mean... See right he there. does a hickory-dickory dock or something. No grow, no grow. A hickory-dickory dock. Boom! And then... Yeah. Well, it worked, didn't it? I guess... Yeah, he's still a small little dragon, so... Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I was under the impression earlier that Azrog did it, but apparently... Not not as thought through yeah. as it probably should be, but it's not really necessary because we're getting ready to move on to the finale here is the big reveal of what happened to Orko here. Which this, as a kid, it, it did get me. It was kind of freaky. When I first seen what we're going to see right here, when Orko had them eyes like that, oh my God. I used to saying the Orko like that. Creeped so no, me out, yeah, because he looks scary. Yeah, and turning himself into a human buzzsaw here, I was like, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was. Like, what in the world is going on? Or I mean, this is you're seeing Orko evil, and like he just bam, all this force and blows through the wall. When he rises up here, damn this is that cool shot! That's I love awesome. it. 
I love it. He looks so mean, menacing, spooky. It's like, oh my God, now they're having to deal with Orko super powered and evil. That was a twist because remember, Orko's supposed to be the lighthearted kid that, you know, I mean, the lighthearted person that all the kids like. And, and when you're seeing him evil, it's like, that's a twist. So and, and I like it. This definitely has a lot of a lot of beats of Orko's favorite uncle, where Uncle Montork is possessed by Toron the magician. They've right. got to battle him. Now we got to battle Orko. So it's it's a it is a direct sequel. And of course, this this outshines that episode tenfold. Yep. And then he pulls out another wand that looks kind of like the other wand from earlier. It's like he's using this story. He's going to use it against his uncle. But I did like seeing Montor again using his power to, to hold off, you know, Azrog, you know, boom, up against like that wall like that. Again, show more of his power. But now Oracle's struggling as, of course, Montor's trying to talk with him and trying to get him out of this spell that he's been put under by Azrog. But now we got He-Man. We got, yeah, there we go. Time to take down, put him. Oh, Shut up. Just slamming him right down. And the, the animation of Orca's eyes looking very sad and struggling. Oh, I just felt... I had a tender heart as a kid. I just felt bad for him throughout this entire episode here. Because he starts sweating and out, as a kid, I was like, is he crying? Or is he... I just... It, it just... It, Lou Scheimer does, like, right there. You know? You could almost think maybe it was a combination. At one time, you thought maybe it was tears, but also the sweating of fighting that inner evil that's trying to take over, but knowing the goods in there trying to come out, and like you said, the sweat pouring out. So, yeah, yeah, this this was an episode that was different, because Oracle's first evil, and then you're seeing this struggle. You're right. It, it was kind of emotional in a couple ways, because and it was something I, I, different. This moment here of Orca saying, like, I've got, I have to, you know, attack you to show you how good I am. And I, I, as I got older, I really appreciated this message that Montark is going to tell him. You know, I, I don't, I don't care about how good a magician you are. I care about you. And I, I just thought that was really sweet, and I liked it. And Lou Scheimer doing such a good voice of, of See, both of them. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There was, there was a tear, and then eventually, yeah, then it's, it's all the perfect. sweat. Oh, like he may just shut your mouth out, or I basically just. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let these two have their moment. So you're right. He has Oracle fighting to come out. And, and have, you know, overpower this bad, evil spell that's trying to take over him and showing that love is, you know, the most you know, important thing, the most powerful thing is love. Yeah, you know, like... the, the, the idea of, of having love, it's like, it doesn't feel like it's coming, like it's beating. It, it, it's when you're seeing Orca struggle so much, it's not something you're used to seeing. So it, I feel like yeah. it's a very viable way of, of, creating a solution to this issue that they're going through here and that it's and it's a thing like i said you've never seen from orco it's something you were not used to seeing you never seen him evil and struggling with this inner evil that's you know this mind smell that's been put on him yes that was what's different so how he could break that spell so you finally got to see and of course here as and finally a little shot to where it kind of like affected he-man had that wand you know you always got to have that moment wondering what's going on and then here comes taylor boom she did like yeah, she's she's herself here. She's now. redeeming herself from the, the blanket incident. And bam, there went the other wand. It's like, how many of these wands exist though? I don't know. Has he got like, you know, a big bucket of them back at his his uh I don't know, his lair? Because yeah, he's like, got them and Spider. You probably have got like a whole arsenal of wands. You know, you just kind of feel like, you know, uh, a gun enthusiast has got like a whole treasure trove of weapons. 
Wizards have got to have multiple wands, you think? <laughs> I guess so. It's like, how you know, people go to the store buying guns. They have a shop where it's always just, here's your magic weapon, but you harness your magic through, here's your magic weapon, 15 rupees or whatever they cost. The thing right here, though, that I was curious about is, you see Montork taking Azrog back to Trala, but also taking Spydra back. Now, were you under the impression that Spydra was maybe from Trala, came to Eternia, and then is now going back? Or maybe he's just taking her from Eternia to go to Trala? I, I didn't know where... Because they're both evil wizards. You know, I took it as that she 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 lives on Eternia. They probably got connected somehow and, and communicated and set up the deal where I'm going to leave Trala and come to Eternia and help conquer that that planet and now he you. took her and he took her and back. now he's just, you know what we, we can't have this i'm gonna take you both back to troll and a magic proof cell so plus, plus where troll is so knee deep in magic you feel like you know what if you're going to imprison an evil sorcerer that's probably where you want to put them there you go well that was there that's the end of that episode i mean it, it was it was a really good one with Two characters that, well, that was their only appearance, correct? That's the only time you ever seen Azrog and Spider. Yep, the only time we ever see them, and it's uh, it never gets old. This episode, I, I love it. It's in my top ten episodes. Yep, and so we'll... a fun little more at the end of the story because it, it it comes off. It, it was played well in the story, but playing around with things you're not familiar with, or things you're not supposed to touch or mess around with. It was a good little lesson thrown in here as well. And this this is an episode that shows why I like Orko. If Orko is written properly. He's, he's the most lovable character in the entire series, and this is a prime example of, of Orko being written perfectly. Sure, because you know I know that of course you know they want to write him in there as some you know, just uh, something for kids to calm down, relax, have a little fun. But I always wondered, as I told you, a strong heroic magic user for masters. You know, I mean, for the good guys, the heroic warriors to be out. Like we know the sorceress has a lot of magic, but she's, you know, stuck in Castle Grayskull. So with Oracle, I thought, damn, it'd be so cool if he could be doing a lot of spells and things, but unfortunately we're stuck with buckets of water and eggs and goofy stuff and magic messing up. It's like, ah, oh, man, I wish they weren't to ham that up so much and gave more of Orko that could have been like this, you know, to where he can be competent and can do stuff if given the proper, you know, opportunity. Just like obviously seen with Montour. Montour could do all of it. You know, like Douglas Booth, who wrote this, he also wrote Disappearing Act, which is, is another uh, uh, episode that I enjoy that's never, never appreciated. And Orko's written quite well in that, where he inadvertently causes the power sword to be sent back to what we could consider pre Eternia. Um, and he's got to go back and get it with Cringer. And they're just written well in the like, as a likable little duo. But he, he writes, he gets Orko. He doesn't write Orko as an idiot. Or as a noxious cliche eighty sidekick character, he's like he hey he like you know what he likes to write these magical characters quite well. Boy, I love you know the talk. Funny? I don't know if we've ever done, but I mean maybe that could even be next week or a future episode where we could do a character profile on Orko because Orko unfortunately does get the people want to compare him saying he's as worthless as Scrappy Doo and Snarf and they're like sidekick characters. And, you know, and I never thought Snarf was annoying either. I love Snarf, but you know, I. It, I I will say I could I can see why people might find Snarf irritating, but I lo I love that character I always have. But or yeah. I'm like no, there I do not see any justifiable logic behind people slamming the character other than they're lazy and want to just say what what other cliche '80s fans of cartoons have to say without actually sitting down and watching these episodes and doing their research. And just claiming, oh, well, everybody else on social media says it, so I'm going to say it too because I'm too lazy to do my research and watch the cartoon.
Yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna cover him maybe next week or the week after, but we're gonna bring up Orko. So, but before we wrap it up, and before you know, like I said, I thank everybody in the chat room. JSP just wanted to know if we've done our trial run on Beyond Retro yet. Not yet. I think, uh, like I said, it'll be coming up this week. Our trial run might just be the next episode, but so we we couldn't do the trial today, and uh, we'll answer yeah, that. Nathan's got to get well. Better. Yeah, Nathan's got to get well first. We'll make sure he's all right with this flu that's passing around through the entire United States. So, like I said, it's making its rounds. But, uh, yeah, again, thank you, everybody, in the chat room. But I'm going to pass it off to Tyler in case he has any shout-outs or if he's got anything he wants to say before we wrap it up. Um, Not in particular. Um, I kind of feel like I've run out of recommendations. I, I don't really stop to think about recommendations anymore. Um, I will say, you know, go, go check out heman.org, you know, for – you want to see more about the, the dinosaurs and stuff like that. You know, you check out the box art on that website as well. They've got scans of Bionotops and T-Rex and, and uh, Turbodactyl. You can see the box art and the, the backs of them and stuff like that. Um, you know, check out Joe's customs, um, check out Axel's artwork, check out Kevin Sharp's artwork. Um, and uh, don't have anything on the mini comic uh, stuff with Carson. Cause Carson has been missing in action now for over a month. I have not heard a single word from him. Hopefully he's okay. Yeah, I hope he's all right too. I haven't seen. I sent him a message because uh, uh, King Adam, who won the the contest a couple of weeks ago for the Leech Mini Comic, had purchased a copy from Carson a while back. hadn't heard anything and received anything, so I contacted Carson. Still haven't heard anything back, but I sent uh, King Adam his copy of the Mini Comic, so hopefully he's got it by now. Well, it's it's funny you say that that you're talking about the mini comics because just now in the chat room, GSP said who won last week's mini comic contest. Did anybody win that? Did they get it? Uh, I don't think so. And I'll have to double check. Um, but if for some reason, it, 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 just in case I was looking for Drizdos, which is what man at arms says, uh, is like the, the city of Drizdos is on the other side of this forest. That's what I was referring to. Um, so if, um, I'll have to go and double check. I don't, I don't think I'm, I'll double check, but um, Drizdos. Okay, I was gonna say I just remembered what I wanted to ask. Any update with your mom and the rocks? Does she have any rocks uh, done? Any new rocks to show? Anything that you know for a giveaway? Anything special? Or is she maybe been a little busy? Because we understand that busy mainly because my nephew's birthday was yesterday, so I've been preparing for all that stuff. And um, I I thought she would kind of. I was trying to think what happened last weekend that would have kept her from, from, and she's doing more painting. I guess she just got sidetracked and she's painted more rocks. <laughs> so I have to blame myself for not staying on it. Cause I told her about it. That we were going to do a giveaway on the podcast. Joe wants one too. So uh, now that my nephew's birthday is over with and done and that's, that's behind us now, I will be seeing her Tuesday. And I'll uh, I'll hammer her about. Look, we need a He-Man rock. We need to rock on on the podcast here. So, yeah, you know, yeah. We'll so keep everybody posted. Maybe if uh, things work out good, maybe this Sunday. I mean, you know, next Sunday, maybe there'll yeah. be a rock that you know we'll have and it'll be ready for a giveaway. So, okay. Well, I want to do like what I always. Yeah. Well, first, let me say I want to thank everybody that was in the chat room for all your comments. And again, hope you appreciate and enjoyed the episode. And like I said, we appreciate having you. All the comments, I tried to get to at least everything you guys were saying. But, you know, again, we'll get rambling. I might not get every comment, but I sure as heck made sure to acknowledge all of you because, you know, hey, we appreciate you being here and hope you enjoy yeah. this a lot. So, but, well, now let me say what I always say. Power.com. Go to popculturenetwork.com. Go to hemanworld.com. And on Facebook, 
Go to Masters of the Universe, He Man and She, or Ultimate Fan Group. All great places, all great people. So until next time, have a powerful day. I'd like to, but he's out there right now, and I've got to go to work. <sighs> Say it one more time. I'm going to get this. All right. I'd like to, but he's out there right now, and I've got to go to work. Dang it. Oh. Uh, nope, I'm going to fail. I fail like always. Okay. Dang. Michael Keaton, Batman 1989. Huh. Who did he say that to? Vicky Vale. Oh. In the back uh, cave. Oh. Which, which oh. helps solidify why Christian Bell's Batman sucks. <laughs> Christian Bell's Batman is like, I'll stop being Batman if you be my girlfriend. Whereas <laughs> the beautiful Kim Basinger saying she wants to love, love, you know, Bruce Wayne. She's like, I'd like to, but he's out there right now and I've got to go to work. Boom! Tells you people that Bat he's not going to quit being Batman for a woman. Well, I'd love Kim Basinger too. But the well, single, he rejects it and says, well, I do that i gotta go stop the joker T tells everybody that michael keaton's batman is the greatest batman and will never ever be taught by anybody that comes which ever, we will ever again. we will definitely discuss that on a future episode of beyond retro and just to let you know jsp got that he got that in the chat room so good job jsp oh, definitely fantastic fantastic right. i'm so glad i don't know somebody, somebody got it all right well again thanks guys and we'll see you next week